Thank you so much for joining us for this message. Whether you're watching for the first time or you're simply catching up on a message that you missed, we're so glad that you are connecting to God's Word today. Our hope is that as you listen to the message, you'll experience a real encounter with God. Please consider giving financially to support God's work through our ministry. You will find several options to do that by clicking on the word Give in the menu on our website at kentwoodcommunitychurch.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. Good morning, KCC. Praise the Lord, KCC. All right, praise the Lord in Jesus' name. As is customary, could you please stand and receive the uh, reading on the word? We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. So uh, Sabina is going to uh, say scriptures in her native tongue, which is Romanian. And so you will read with me, and then she will read in Romanian. So you are reading with me the second, the fourth, and the sixth verse, and she's reading the third and fifth, okay? So let us start. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert... Am I the only one saying? <laughs> All right, let's try it one more time. One, two, three. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. And if you speak Romanian, you can read with me. Rugați-vă totodată și pentru noi, că Dumnezeu să ne deschidă o ușă pentru cuvânt, ca să putem vesti taina lui Hristos, pentru care... Pray that I will proclaim the message as clearly as I should. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for today and this opportunity to speak to your people, Lord. Empty me out, Lord, and fill me with your words and your spirit, and let them be planted in the fertile ground. We ask these in all blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let us thank Sabina. So I get it. I did not say the scripture this morning, right? That's, that's what it was. Thank you, Lawrence. You should have yelled a little bit louder. All right. We're coming from the fourth chapter of Colossians. I'm sorry. Uh, and that is verse 2 through 6. So I, I do apologize with that. But that's a little humor to kind of lighten things up a little bit. So I want to do a summary of the first three chapters because we had a break last week with Pastor Mick and Missions Weekend. And so the first chapter of Colossians, we found out that God is supreme. And we have been reconciled with him through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, we understand that there was a new life. There is a new life in Christ because of our union with him. In chapter 3, we found out that Paul encouraged us to live a new life, to take off the old man and, put in, and reject the sinful nature and to put this person on, this daily uh, new self on daily. And so overall, Paul writes to the Colossians to encourage them to hold on to their faith to be encouraged, to stay steadfast and hold on to the gospel message regarding grace and not to the Jewish rules that were embellished with rules and laws and false preaching. And so he was telling them, we want you to hold on to these things. Do not be confused. Do not be dismayed. Do not be led astray. 
And we see in chapter 1, one of the things that he said in verse 16 and 18, he pointed out that he wanted the uh, Colossians not to be condemned on a, a couple of things. He said, don't let them condemn you for what, they, what you choose to eat and drink. Don't let them condemn you for the certain holidays or holy days that you may celebrate. Don't let them condemn you for celebrating certain ceremonies. Don't let them condemn you for celebrating, for not celebrating the Sabbath. But he also said, don't let them impress on you certain pious self-denial exercises or worshiping of angels. What we see is that these things are not connected to Christ. They're of a proud mind and they are of sinful minds and they are things that are not of God. So he wanted them to understand that don't let anyone condemn you for not doing certain things. All we have to do is serve God with a clear heart. And so that reminds me as I was, came to Christ over 40 years ago. And when I came to Christ, I came to Christ in a mid-sized Pentecostal church in the city of Chicago. And I remember coming to the Lord and I remember the excitement that was in there. I also remember that I didn't know much about God at that time. You know, some people would say that I was kind of like a religious mutt. And you may say, what is that? Well, when I was a young boy, I was, went to the Baptist church with my grandmother and we stayed in church all day. Can I get an amen? How many? Can I get a witness? All right, all right. And then after that, I went to a Catholic school in a fourth grade, so we had to go to mass. But somewhere around that time, too, my mother started practicing Buddhism, so I got my beads and I was chanting as well. So I did a little bit of that. And then uh, I continued on in Catholicism and through my high school years until I came to become born again. And so as you can see, I've had a a plethora of religious experience. And so that's why I say I'm kind of like a religious mud. I'm just kind of mixed with a whole bunch of stuff. You don't know what I am. I'm just a Christian. I'm just a believer. That's all that really matters. And so I was excited when I came to Christ and was born again and had that experience. And I would marvel at the Christians and the saints. And I remember two in particular, two elders of the church that were Elder Brumfield and Elder McGee. And they would sit up there and talk about all the times that they had been saved. And at that time, as a new Christian, I, I listened to them. And they were like, I've been saved 30 plus years in the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And everybody would say, amen. And I looked at them and I said, man. 30, that's older than I am, 30 plus years. How, how can someone do that? And so as I realized that I, I would hear Elder Brumfield sing all the time, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. And I was like, man, he's all happy. What does that mean? And I didn't understand it. It was just all new to me. But I was excited because they were excited. And so as I started to walk this walk and, and kept on going in my faith, I, I started to realize some things and I started to practice some things and I started to do some things because part of this whole uh, progression of time was to go through sanctification and go through spiritual formation. And what I started doing is I started to serve. 
I joined the usher board. I was part of the singles ministry. I was part of the uh, student ministry. I was part, did things with the brotherhood. I was in leadership development and all that stuff just kind of led to the point of that I accepted my call in the ministry. But after I joined, joined the, the usher board, then I, I decided to, you know, man, I need to go to Friday night prayer. Friday night prayer and testimony service where I saw the old mothers sitting there. Come on, somebody, can I get a witness? The old mothers there, and they would tell you all the stories of what was going on, and they would say, son, let me tell you, you ain't seen nothing yet. And, you know, we had those times, and so we had prayer and testimony and the old mothers and everybody, it was no time. It's just whatever they wanted to do, they just did it. Then I went on to attend Wednesday night Bible study, and I started to get, put the meat on the bone because I started learning things that I didn't know before, and I started studying my Bible. You know, I was, I, I asked questions of people and seasoned believers, you know, so that was also part of the process. I started talking to people and seeing what their journey was and started asking them questions, and they started sharing me and their faith, and I started to one little bit by little bit started to get it. I was open to correction. When I did something wrong, there was no shame in my game. I, I was open for people to show me the right way. I was open to people mentoring me. People that I didn't even know they were mentoring me, they just would walk over to me and say, Brother Thompson, come on. And I'm like, what? Just come on. And we got into a relationship with one another. And ultimately, I made an intentional decision to move in my faith, and to understand what God was saying to me and move from an inward focus to an outward focus. Because that's what the progression of time and that was all the things that I got involved with and all the things pointed me to the direction of moving from in to out. I began to understand that grace was sufficient and that there was nothing that I could not win, nothing that I could do that would win or anything that I can do that would deserve salvation. It was only the grace of God. There was nothing that I can do because I was undeserving. But as I got more spiritually mature, what I began to understand and discern was the rules and teachings and church traditions of man that did not line up with God's word. You see, initially I was inward driven, working on myself. As Pastor Mike said several weeks ago, at a certain point, you got to figure out what is that man, what is that new man that you're going to put on and are you going to put it on daily? So I was focused in my initial years on what is that new man, what does that mean? Help me to understand that. But then I began to focus on my outward man, my outward self, my worship, my lifestyle how I devoted myself to God. Though man was important, God was much more important. We see this shift in Colossians 3, chapter 3 into chapter 4. Chapter 3 was about inward driven. What is God doing with me? Chapter 4 it moves us to another place where we begin to understand what God is asking us to do with everything that he has endowed us with. So as we look at these verses again, I want to share a couple of things with you, a couple of points that I think will help you out today. Point one, 
Pray that God will help you to be alert and thankful. Pray that God would help you be alert and thankful. I think many of us, quite honestly, take prayer for granted. I know we do it, but I don't know if we really understand it. So if I was to take an oversimplified view of prayer, what prayer is, is designed to keep us in constant prayer and constant communication with God. And through that conversation with God and that communication with God, what he does is God uses prayer to help transform us into his own image. Now, I say that because most of the time when we are praying, let's be honest, when we're praying, we are praying and having a conversation telling God what we want. We say, God, this is how I'm feeling. God, this is what I want. Can you help me out here? Lord, help me. Sometimes we negotiate with God and we say, God, if you save me, if you do this, if you take me out of my predicament, this is what I will do. It is a one-way conversation. But what prayer really is, is a two-way conversation. It's us talking to God, but it's also us listening and allowing God to talk to us. That's where the transformation comes. Transformation does not come in a one-way conversation. It comes in a two-way conversation. So if God is going to transform us, what we have to do is in our prayer time, stop and listen. Listen to what he's saying. Because when you listen to what he's saying, then he can tell you what his will is and what his mind is and what his word is saying to you through the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life. And in that moment, as you listen to him, you're going to be transformed. Because then what you realize is not about you, it's about God. How do you know the mind of God? You have to stop and listen and take it in. It says in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 3, I urged you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessory, and at thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleasing to God our Savior. So we know that prayer pleases God. We know that we are supposed to pray for others, not just ourselves. We know that prayer is essential to the transformation of our lives. So as we look at the second verse, it says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So what is Paul trying to say to us? What is Paul trying to help us to understand? Are we to have an alert mind in the way of that we're supposed to be awake and conscious? Is that what he's saying? As Pastor Mick would say, resting in Christ? Don't do that. Or is he telling us something a little bit more specific? Is Paul actually giving us a warning? Is he giving us a warning to stay awake, to be watchful, to stay attentive, and to be alert? In some circles, they may say it this way. Keep one eye open. From my neck of the woods in Chicago would say, keep your head on a swivel. I got some Chicagoans there. There you go. My mom will say, watch your surroundings and watch who you're engaging, who you're talking to. My grandfather would say with a wink, don't take any wooden nickel, son. 
All these were warnings that put me on alert, that puts us on alert to be what? Not fooled, not taken advantage of, not being misled, but leading us to the point of understanding that we need to be alert, attentive, and uh, perceptive of all the things that people will tell us that may be misleading us from the Word of God. We need to be very aware of the false teachings that are going forth across pulpits in the world, in all kind of forms, social media, whatever it is, because as I have talked to people in the past, it's that it is amazing how many social media preachers there are now without any qualifications. They just have an opinion. And there are people that are actually listening to these people. So we need to be alert and understand that we need to be watchful of all the false and heretical things that are going out in the world. Paul says it like this in Colossians 2.8. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that's come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than Jesus Christ. He gives another warning in Mark 14. 38 that he gave before he was arrested and it says keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing but the body is weak let's be honest sometimes we let our guards down sometimes we just get wrapped up in the normalcy of life and we get rocked to sleep and we let the routines of life really let our guards down But that's when the enemy comes and strikes, when we're unsuspecting, when we let our guards down. So let me share a little example to you. I forgot my dollar bill, so I'll just have to act like I have a dollar bill, a hundred dollar bill, okay? Have you ever wondered why when you go into a store and you make a purchase with a large bill, that they take the bill and they pop it and then they hold it up to the light? They hold it up to the light because they're trying to find out, is is this a real bill or not? Is it a counterfeit? And only the trained eye can do it. You and I that are normal people, we can't do that and look at it and see what that is. A trained person has to be able to, uh, only a trained person can do that. Someone has been taught how to see the differences and the subtleties. And the reason why is because A counterfeit bill looks so much like a real bill, that's why they can pass it. But they hold it up to the light because when they hold it up to the light, they can see the difference and they can see that it is a counterfeit. They can understand that, you know what, this is not a real bill. We have to be that way in our Christian lives. We have to be trained, we have to be formed, we have to be shaped in the image of Christ. We have to let God's words be in our eye because let's face it, there are some of us that have counterfeits in their lives. Some of you are circle, in your circle of friends have counterfeits. Some people in your family are counterfeits. Some people, God forbid, I'm not calling out anybody, some people in this church may be counterfeits. And what we have to do is we have to hold those people, we have to hold those things that people say to us, and we got to hold those things up to the light to see if they align themselves with the Word of God. Because if they're not, then they are counterfeits. And you can't take it for granted because it looks so, so close to the real thing. 
But you got to hold it up to the word of God, nothing else. No politics, nothing else. No opinions, nothing else. Not the things on social media, media, whatever. Nothing else but the word of God. It doesn't matter who it is. So we must stay alert. In the midst of these circumstances, Paul tells us to also be thankful. To be thankful, to acknowledge God. To acknowledge God for all the things that he has done for us and all the things that he is doing around us and how he has used us in people's lives. We see in the third chapter, verse 15, he says in Colossians, and let the peace that comes from God's rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. He says it in Ephesians 5.20, he says it in this way, I thank God for what he has done in, through, and for me. I thank him for his answers to prayer in the lives of those around me and for all his ongoing works across the nation and the world, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God says, even in the midst of these false teachings, in the midst of this heresy, in the midst of this chaos and this confusion, that we are always to give God thanks. We are always to acknowledge him for the things that he is doing in our lives because he is in control, not us. And when we understand that, then we can know that we acknowledge him for these things and we can acknowledge him for who we are. Because that is found in him. How we're able to be transformed into his image. How we and our identity is in him and nothing else. We can acknowledge him and thank him for the fact that what we do is through Christ. We have the power to influence people. To change minds. To impact lives. We need to acknowledge all that I have is from Christ. By his grace and his mercy. His blessings never cease to flow. So we need to acknowledge him for those things in our lives. Therefore, we should express our gratitude to him and all the things that we have, all the things that we do, and all the people that we come in contact. Can I get an amen? amen. Point number two, pray that the Spirit helps you perceive what you should pray for. In verses three and four, it says, Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I'm here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Evangelism. Most of us know that in order to reach those who are lost and those who are outside of this church, we have to evangelize them. We have to look outward in order to reach people, to bring them to the, to the um, understanding of salvation in Christ. <clears throat> this is what John Wesley understood. John Wesley went across the countryside in England, setting up, I say, church planning one-on-one. He created societies in which he went out to the people because they were not coming to the church. And he planted churches and he created small groups and he created accountability groups. And the reason was for people to learn, to learn about God and to give their lives to Christ. And that is where our roots as the Wesleyan church come from. It's from John Wesley. That's where our roots stem from. Paul also noticed because he asked God 
And he asked prayer for what? That they would have good opportunity to preach the gospel message. Now, what does not go unnoticed to me is this, is that Paul was in chains. He stated that for this reason, I am in chains. So in other words, the very reason that I want to get away and get set loose and have opportunities is because I want to preach the word. And because I preach the word, I am in chains now. So how many of you would pray that you are released from chains and from jail or from bondage only to go out and do the same thing that gets you back into that same predicament. Not many of us would do that. We would run away from that. We would run to freedom. We would say, thank God I'm free, and you would just run back to the comforts of your home and to your friends and stuff like that. But not Paul. Paul was like, hey, I know I'm in prison. I know I'm in chains. But what I want you to do is I want you to pray that I get more opportunity to preach the gospel. That's what I want you to pray for me. We need to understand that that is the same thing that we need to do as we look at what Paul is doing and we see through the, uh, the epistles that time after time, that's what the Paul and the apostles did. They continue to preach the gospel. They continue to be in prison. They continue to be persecuted. They continue to reach all of these heights, but they had a tremendous amount of lows. What we should understand is that as we seek to do God's will and we ask God for opportunities, it will come at a cost. It will come at a cost. But we should still preach for the opportunities regardless of what the persecution may be because we know that God is good. And we know that there is a mystery to this word and we need to understand what that is. And some of you say, what is the mysterious plan? What is that? Well, Paul explained it in chapters two, chapter one and two. He said, this message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. We see in Colossians 2, 2, he says, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which in Christ himself, which is Christ himself. And in him lie hidden all the treasures and wisdoms and knowledge. We see that the mysteries of God, the mysterious plan has been revealed through Jesus Christ himself. Because through Jesus, we have access to God. It was also preached by the uh, disciples. And so we know that God, through his word, even though it's mysterious to those before, has now been revealed to his son. And that is the message that we need to reveal to people at whatever cost that it is. We see that Paul was in prison many times. He was persecuted. He was berated. He was whipped. He was beaten. But he still stayed focused on the word. Sometimes some of you, because of the cost of our salvation, because of the cost of being believers in this world, we may feel frustrated. We may get distracted. We may get discouraged. Some of us may even want to give up. But I'm saying to you, hold on. Pray 
continuously for opportunities to spread the word of God, to share your faith with others, because that is what God wants us to do. We must do that. But let me ask you this. Have you considered the cost? Have you considered the cost of your faith? Have you considered that in a day and time where it's hard to proclaim the gospel the way we want to or the way that we should because of all the racial, political, social, and economic division that we have in this world today that some of us may be discouraged, may be despondent, you know, people that we talk to, they have their own north, their own true north, which is something that they say, as long as it aligns with my thinking, as long as it will give me some benefits, as long as it, um, it uh, kind of affirms me, then that is what I will listen to. Anything else I will reject, whether it is the Bible or not. Timothy says it in this way, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to know. Does that now sound like today? People only listen to what they want to listen to. The algorithms and social media will only feed you what you want to see. That's one of the reasons why I've gotten off of social media, because it's not all that great. It only feeds a negative deal because of the, algor all, the, the algorithms that are there. They keep on feeding you the same thing, even if you accidentally click on the wrong story. It will feed you and it keep on feeding you. And no matter what you do, what you have to change is you have to actually change your mind and you have to actually change your algorithm to go to look at some things that are good in order for it to change. So I suggest to you, if you want to stop doing that, start searching the Bible online. That'll change it. That'll change it in a minute. So they look at my way is the right way. And I just want to say, regardless of what the world does, saints, hold on to God. Preach his word in and out of season. Ask God to give you wisdom to understand what it is that you need to see. Help him. Help him. Come into your lives. Just open up your heart. Acknowledge him. Pray and say, God, help me to see. Help me to see and exercise spiritual discernment. Help me to hear. Help me to listen with my heart when I'm dealing with other people. Help me to taste. Make sure that I consume the right things. Because truth be told, we can't, the old mothers would say, son, you can't eat off everybody's table. And what that means is that I cannot consume things from uh, other people's table that may not be in alignment with God because what I eat, that's what I become. So I have to guard my taste buds and make sure that I'm eating from the word of God and nothing else. Pray for how I feel, right? That I be wise and loving in my self-expressions. Uh-oh. In my self-expressions, I have a right to how I feel, but let me be wise and loving in how I express that to people that I come in contact with. Touch, 
Consider the lives that we touch, the people that we impact. So Lord, help me to understand that. So if you are unsure, pray that the Spirit of God would help you to understand that. And lastly, point three. Pray that Christ will grant you wisdom when you discuss your faith with, with others. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. In chapter 3, what we see is that we were focused on the inner man and what the inner man was and what that self was and taking off the old man and putting on the new man. But the only way that we can live according to God is to understand that we need to do that and we need to live rightly and wisely among unbelievers and be gracious. That is the only way that we can do that is to take off the old man, put on the new man. Because if we want to live loving and gracious among unbelievers, that is what God requires us to do because we are created new in him. Let's face it, in this society, people are not gracious and loving. Again, I say we see it all around us. When we talk about certain topics, when we talk about immigration, when we talk about injustice, when we talk about inequality, heck, sometimes when we even talk about masks, should you mask or not mask, people get all crazy about that. But they don't get crazy about the Word of God. They get crazy about circumstantial things that don't really matter to us in our lives. There is an intolerance for difference or diversity amongst opinion. People get mad at a drop of a hat. People will uh, not be friends with you because you express your opinion. And God meant for us to be many members of one body, meaning that we have a vast variety and uh, different ways of looking at things. Even the gospel in a multi-ethnic church, we all have different ways of living out our faith. But what we do is we try to put people in a, in, a, in a box and say, this is the way it's supposed to look for you. I don't care about your culture. This is the way it's supposed to be. And that's not what God intended it to be. God intended us to live our lives according to the Holy Spirit and how he shaped and formed us. If you think it's bad in society, I want to say that the church is a microcosm of society. Did you get that? The church is a microcosm of society because the things that are going on in society are going on in this church. The division that is going on out in society is happening within the church. We're not being loving and gracious and, and, and uh, kind in our words towards one another. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. NIV version of the same verse 6 says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In other words, our message needs to be uplifting. We cannot take a steak and lobster dinner and serve it to somebody on a trash can lid. It's not going to work. It's all in the presentation. We have, to pre, we have to present something that is delicious on a gold and silver platter because presentation is everything. You cannot take your faith and then present it to other people on a trash can lid because you are unkind, you are unloving, you are judgmental, and you are intolerable of other people. Our lifestyles must be consistent with the faith that we profess. 
How do we do this? How do we live this life? Paul tells us this in Philippians 3, 13 through 14. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. In 2 Corinthians, he says it this way. This means that everyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. New life has begun. Now, remember I mentioned to you a story about my life. And what you saw through my life and my journey is that I did several things. I became very, very intentional. I began to serve. I began to engage. I began to become part of the community and I listened to people. I served, I engaged, I grew, I connected, and I built relationships. That's what it's all about. And as I come to a close, I want to ask you a couple of questions. What will you do to move from inward thinking to outward thinking? What will you do to move from your inward person to your outward person? That's what Paul is asking us to do in Colossians 4. What I did is I became very, very intentional. Will you? Will you become very, very intentional in your spiritual walk? At KCC, we have many, many, many ways and opportunities to serve, a pathway for growth, a way to engage and stay connected. If you want to serve and engage, there's volunteerism and there's local outreach that you can do. We have that here. If you want to grow, we have spiritual formation classes and we have a resource that's called Right Now Media. Right Now Media is like the Netflix of Christian resources. You just go in there, you just click on it. I saw Tommy over there raising his hand, he knows. Just go in and then click and you can get anything. You do a search and you get any type of resource that you want. It is great. But I don't know if all of you know that. How else can you grow? In your discipleship, we have our next step classes and living a disciple life. If you want to grow in leadership, we have Cultivate Leadership Essentials under Pastor Debbie Turner-Bell. If you want to grow in your understanding of people that are different, we have a multi-ethnic ministry that has classes that you can come and you can grow in your cultural intelligence and your cultural awareness. If you want to connect here at KCC, we got open table, we got night of prayer, we got oasis. We got adult Bible study class that happens right after class down the hall. If you want to build relationships, all you have to do is join a community group. That's it. I serve. I engaged, I grew, I connected, and I built. And every step of the way, God put people in my life that made me the man that I am today. But I had to be intentional with that. I had to want to do it. Chapter 3 was about 
finding ourselves in Christ. Chapter 4 is about helping others find themselves in Christ. Many weeks ago, Pastor Mick preached a sermon. And he said, who wants to be a water walker? Who wants to walk on water? And there were many people that jumped up and did this exercise to say what their commitment was. It was a boat here, and I, I wasn't here because I was driving to Chicago, but I was looking at it and driving. I shouldn't have been doing that, but I wanted to see the effects of it because I wasn't going to be there. I, I think I was doing a brand, looking at my phone and driving. <laughs> And people came up by the masses and they did the water walker. Where are all my water walkers? Come on, where you at? Let me see your hands, where you at? I know it was more than that. My question to you, are you still walking on water or are you treading water? Are you walking on water or now you're treading water? Have you given up? It's great to come across the stage and do something and everybody's clapping and cheering and stuff like that. But when you go back home, what happened? Are you still walking on water? I just listed a whole bunch of steps that you can take to walk on water. The question is, will you be intentional? Did you take the first step and now you're wondering what is the next step? Well, we have many steps within this church that help you continue to walk on water. So I wanna give you an opportunity now for all you water walkers and those who want to be water walkers. And you just don't know what your next step is. Here's the time you can come up to the altar. And you can pray and ask God for wisdom. You can pray and ask God for direction. And you can pray and ask God for strength and commitment. There's no shame for anyone that were water walkers and you were excited a couple of weeks ago. But now, because of life, it's kind of sucked you dry. Your roots got to go down deep. It got to go down deep. And that comes through spiritual formation and sanctification and community and being intentional about your faith. So I want to give you an opportunity to come up here to the altar and talk to God about how to be a better water walker, to be successful at being a water walker. Ask God what is the next step in the next step, in the next step, and God will show you what those steps are. But you have to be intentional. Altar is open. I've done my job. I've preached what God has told me to preach, and now it's up to you. I can't walk your walk. I can only walk my walk. So if you want to talk to God, and you want to pray, 
And remember, praying is not just a one-way conversation. It is also a two-way. You can pray and ask, but you have to listen. Won't you come now?